Hey, Cracked fans. With the summer months just around the corner, we know all of you are beginning to think about how you can best maximize your chances to improve your game with the warm weather. Well, thankfully, we here at Cracked Rackets are so excited to tell all of you about the 254 Tennis Camp happening this summer at Baylor University. Now, over the course of three weeks in June, starting June 12th through the 16th and ending June 26th through the 30th, you'll have the opportunity to learn from from some of the best coaches in the business in an all-encompassing tennis experience. You'll have the opportunity to improve each and every part of your game, whether that be on the singles court, whether that be on the doubles court, through drilling, through point play, match play as well. You'll also, of course, receive a free t-shirt for participating in the camp, but also have the chance to see yourself broadcasted as our Crack Rackets team will be providing coverage of the final day each week at this 254 tennis camp. Again, you'll have the opportunity to learn from some of the best coaches in the business. I promise Coach Michael Woodson and the Baylor team going to make it an extraordinarily enjoyable time. How can you get signed up today? Well, you can learn more information by visiting the Baylor website by going to baylor.edu slash athletics slash tennis camp. Again, that's baylor.edu slash athletics slash tennis camp to sign up today. Now, this camp open to any and all entrants, but limited only by age, number, grade level, and or gender. Again, you can learn more about this camp by going to baylor.edu slash athletics slash tennis camp today. Don't miss out, folks. Going to be three very exciting, fun weeks of tennis down at Baylor University. Be sure to sign up for the 254 Tennis Camp happening at Baylor today. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is June 14th, week two of the 2022 grass court season now officially underway. We're back on the grind, folks. 250 events happening across the globe. Challenger events happening everywhere. ITF events with countless players with college tennis ties competing as such. Plenty for us to monitor throughout the course of the week here on this podcast. But of course, given that we are back on the 250 grind. It's time for us to get back on the grind here on this mini break podcast. And as you listeners know, each and every Tuesday, we hope to bring one of our favorite segments to all of you listeners, a segment presented by the title sponsors here of this mini break podcast. Of course, we call them Tennis Point Tuesdays. And anytime we're going to roll a Tennis Point Tuesday here on this podcast, you know who will be joining us. It's our man from Tennis Point, Nate Walrith. Nate, Welcome back to the show. You look like you had a hot, sweaty day out on court earlier this morning. How are you feeling after that fact? I'm feeling great now. I've got the juices back in there. I made a trip to Costco. My my debut at Costco um, came back with, with with the hydration goods, but that was a tough morning. It is awfully humid in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, wherever you guys are listening to this, hopefully it's drier. I'll take 100 degrees and dry over 80 degrees in this humidity. Um, but no, obviously I'm excited to be here. It's uh, grass court season. I got to get to talk tennis with my guy Gruskin. You can't beat that on Tuesday. Well, let me just say to those wondering, can Nate Walrith ever get tan? The answer to that question is no. He just gets red. That's what I've learned here today. But to I'm looking. You- I'm looking fried. No, you look. Like you've played tennis. Like, again, it's the summertime look. So whenever I get up in the morning, I go outside, you know, got to stretch my legs, get some sunshine in. And when I walked outdoors these past couple of mornings, all I could think, and maybe it's just built into me instinctually. I think if you do something for 12 summers consecutively, you know, your body is just adjusted to the 9 a.m. climate. You know, every year from age 7 to age 18, I would be out on court from 9 to 12 and then 3 to 6 throughout the summer. Summers, working on my game and competing in tennis camps. The older you get, you start working in those tennis camps and you're still outdoors, just sweating away. And there's something about that 9 a.m. heat when I step into it. All I can think, and I'd be lying if I said I still got up at 9 a.m., but there's something about stepping out into that heat for the first morning where all you can think is just 
am I about to play tennis all day? Like, it's just instinctual to me. And I think many listeners of this podcast, perhaps some of you had that experience when you were younger, perhaps some of you have that experience now. To your point, and welcome to Tennis Point Tuesdays, folks. As always, we're a little bit of a tangent here to kick off today's show. I agree with you. Texas 100 degree heat is not the same as Midwest 100 degree heat because when it gets to 100 in the Midwest, it's just so sticky outside. And that's all I could feel when I walk outdoors in the morning. It's just like I start to sweat and I'm not even physically active. Every time I work these events that we kind of uh, help put on with uh, our grassroots tour, I'm always jealous of the kids that are playing these tournaments. This past weekend, the first time I was looking at these guys, I'm like, Good luck, fellas. Like, I am not jealous of you guys at all. I'm going to sit under this tent and enjoy some shade while you guys work your tail off. And, I mean, the guys like Nick Myers from Cincinnati, he must have gone through eight shirts in eight or nine games. I'm just like, I feel bad for the moms that are doing the laundry. I'm like, it's it's tough out here. But See, um, this is where I disagree with you because, to me, you're just sitting in a boiling pot. If you're not doing anything outside and sitting at that tournament desk, at least the players get to play. You're like, yeah, it's that's miserable, true, but true. at least you're playing. Like I, we're just sitting true. and checking boxes. It's the worst <laughs> thing in the world. You're just like, or even as a line judge, you're just like, oh my god, like kill me. Oh, and then they're like, was dude, that ball in or out? And you're like, I don't know. I'm dead. Like I, line, I, I, I can't. I can't the line make judges it. were they, they were dying. They were gas. No, because it, you're just stu- you're just baking. In the facility, the, the facility didn't even have water, so like you have to, if you don't pack <laughs> enough water, man, that's it's a. Uh, that deal. or the worst is if there's a facility with no bathroom, because outdoors you sometimes play at high schools and things are locked here in the exactly. Midwest. Uh, obviously, we never have that happen here at our Cracked Rackets tournaments because we run a top flight op- operation. But yes, yeah, no, summertime tennis is something else, of course. If you are gearing up for summertime tennis, there's only one place to turn to to update your equipment. Of course, you're going to be sweating more frequently than you were in the wintertime. And maybe you don't want to ruin your favorite pair of shorts or or maybe you just need additional pairings given the frequency that you play. You can find all of the latest equipment, all of the latest clothing, the latest shoes, strings, rackets, you name it. Find it all at tennis-point.com. Of course, you use our promo code CR15. Not only will you let them know we sent you there, you'll get 15% off all sale items, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, tennis-point.com. The symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, Nate, let's talk about the latest and greatest gear being offered at Tennis Point. And I do want to just reiterate the point I have a collection of shirts that I just call my sweatshirts. Not as in like long sleeve hooded sweatshirts, but they are the shirts that I have just gone to war in. And I'm like, you can't be worn in public. Like, and so, they, they might have been white at one point. Now they're like yeah. tinted yellow. Like, so yeah. there's our 20, 2009, I was a freshman, long sleeve state championship high school shirt. I wore, I weighed more my freshman year of high school than I weigh now. Uh, but the point being, so that shirt still fits me. It is the most disgusting shade of yellow. And like, sorry for the visuals, but I think every hardcore tennis player has at least one of those shirts in their repertoire. You're not just that shirt anytime soon, it sounds like, too. So No, no I, I could go get it if you want to see. I still have it. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, I actually have the same, like, especially with the collars and, like, the armpit. Like, you have those shirts and you're just like, I can't wear this anywhere besides outdoor tennis. Um, but tennis point... I think exciting news, one year we've been Tennis Point. So we transitioned from Midwest Sports to Tennis Point a year ago, and we're putting on a big sale with the code ONE, capital O-N-E. You can save up to 15 20% off and even up to 75% off on some items. So I would strongly suggest you guys looking for your uh, summer equipment, apparel, shoes and racket, bags, all of your everything you need. Type the code in, see what you guys can get, and it's uh, – Go to our homepage. It's, it's, it's the big yellow tennis ball. It's uh, a great graphic. Shout out to Margot Wolf for putting that together. Um, outside of that, Adidas and Nike collections for London are both in. Looking sharp. Uh, I love the, uh, the the T-shirt from the like the party tank and the party shirt from Nike. I think it's called like the garden shirt. Different, it's a bunch of different colorways on there. And then lastly, I would say we, we, ha- we headlined this on the Crack Rackets podcast with Limke, Dave Limke on the, on the uh, live show. But the Wilson Rush Pro 3.0, a tennis point Wilson exclusive shoe, 
has dropped. We have them in stock, and we've got. This is the red size. and black shoe, correct? Yes, beautiful colorway, red and black shoe. Um, it's I, I brought it out to the event this past weekend. It got a lot of great feedback. It's a light shoe, it's durable. It's got a lot of breathability, high performance shoe. The sticker is one nineteen. Can't beat that. And I've tried it on myself. Just how light, how breathable it is. It, it can hold up as well. Can't beat it. Check it out. I think that's uh, those four items will keep you guys busy. And we got we got the all white collections coming in with Wimbledon. So exciting times. No, I love to hear it. And certainly, again, are you a dry fit or a cotton tea guy in the summer? Cotton tea. It's, yeah. I, I want to transition to the, to the dry fit, but it just burns. It just, I don't, something about it. I don't know. My, my parents always told me, my dad's always like, you're, you're, you're going to kill yourself. I'm like, I'd rather change five or six times with a cotton tea than have that one. Yeah. So, I, you know, obviously you're going to get some nipple chafe if you're wearing the cotton exactly. tea. And no, that... I did, it burns more with dry fit. So I agree. It Nate, burns with dry fit, my man. I could not agree with you more. And for much of my life, that was my principle. However... And maybe it's just the plethora of college gear we now have floating around Crack Rackets HQ. Therefore, there's just a lot of shirts to be worn out on court. And I once came out with a <laughs> – I had uh, an Oklahoma hat on, a Baylor T-shirt on, and Virginia shorts. And I stepped onto the court, and the guy was like, who are you? And I have to – you know, then I can be like, well, blah, 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 college gear, show, thing. Um, <laughs> but – I so a lot of the stuff is dry fit and you know you know dry fit I believe is the term I was going to say Under Armour was the pejorative when I was younger now we just call it dry fit because everyone's doing it I've slowly been converted it's not the worst it's not like again I see no difference to the chafing and I'm just more comfortable in cotton tees in general but it's not the worst and so I I own I own some of them it's like there's some nice ones out there that I really like but. I, I love a dry fit long sleeve, and then I can wear a cotton tee over it. You can't do that it in the has, summer, though. It has to have a coupling on the wrist. I cannot have a loose wrist. Like, if I'm playing tennis, <laughs> I need that thing to be tight around my wrist. Same way with pants. I can't have loose, floppy, like, around the ankle. It's got to be tight. But, oh, my um, God. My dad – so, my it's, it's my dad week here on the Mini Break Podcast. We're going to talk about him as much as possible because he does turn 60 on Sunday and Father's Day is coming up on Sunday. Happy Father's Day to Mr. Walrath. Happy Father's Day to all of the fathers listening out there. Uh, I am not a father. I am a son. But I will say, uh, speaking of my you, – you talk about the pants. I, they were the – I think Lululemon was the first to really cuff the ankles, right, yeah. in the Game sweatpants. Changes. Yeah, and my, my – brother had a pair of them when they were first coming out back you know five six years ago whatever it was and my dad was mystified by these pants he was like those aren't pants he was like what are you doing he was just like so befuddled he's just like didn't understand the concept and i won't i won't use you know again he had a funny term for them um it's um, it's escaping my memory right now but i just remember like again it's so funny to hear you say i need a no loose wrist that's no i can't do it and and my roommate is from poland he makes fun of me because i I love wearing joggers to the office if it's like a casual day without joggers that's the call and he he, yeah and he's just like you can't wear those. those those don't look i'm like they might not look the greatest but they feel amazing on yeah. um, no, it's like a little sock also you shouted out oklahoma i have to say coach cobra one of the she cracks me up so i i, I was like wait I was like, i'm waiting for my oklahoma hat and she's holding on to this i, I wish them congratulations and a uh-huh. follow-up i said final four i said congrats on your first final four and that's kind of where i left it and she was like we went to the final like <laughs> like i was like i was like but you, if, if you like you didn't win. I know you, it was an amazing tournament. You guys did something special, but I thought it sounded cool to say your 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 first ever program final four. She wasn't happy with how I worded that, so she's been giving me a hard time. I I don't think I'm getting my Oklahoma hat in with with uh, but but we'll see. Coach Cobra, she's she's the best. So yeah, no, I um. It was funny. It was freezing in the Nielsen Tennis Center in Madison at uh, during the national indoor finals for the women and coach Cohen and Cobra and 
Coach Gracia. I don't want to throw him out of the mix. Were kind enough to give me an Oklahoma long sleeve. And I wore it under my gear because I was like, it was freezing. I had to wear layers. And then very quietly before the final started. And they played North Carolina. And I don't feel bad sharing this story because North Carolina knows I love them. So, you know, there's a lot of love shared here at Crack Rackets. But before the final, I lifted up my shirt quickly and A, flashed the six-pack. But then B, showed off the Oklahoma gear. And she starts going, let's go. And I was like, shh. I was like, don't tell everyone. Um, and so, no, they're the best. And the gear offered at tennis-point.com, the best as well. And, again, whether it's Nike, Adidas, Wilson, you name it, they've got it. Pickleball collection. Okay, I haven't talked about this yet on the show. Was it cool to see Andy Roddick and James Blake have a pickleball dispute in my mentions throughout the course of the week? You're damn right it was cool. Like, I'm still allowed to enjoy things from my childhood, and those are two of the uh, the first match I ever seriously remember watching. Andy Roddick versus Roger Federer, Australian Open. I forget what year it was. It was the year Safin and Hewitt made the semifinals as well. And we were in New York on a family trip, and it was really late at night that they were playing. But I was like, Mom, I'm staying up and watching this match. And so, yeah, to have them in the comment section talking about pickleball was enjoyable. Now, that spurned a nice debate about, you know, again, the overlap between pickleball and tennis. Is pickleball an entertaining product? Should Tennis Channel be using their time and their airwaves to show pickleball? I have no issue with it. I think there's enough room in the racket sport family for all of it. I thoroughly enjoy, one, playing pickleball, two, watching it. It's just geriatric doubles. Like, if you took out the movement, if you took out the serve, it's still quick reactions, quick reflexes, short angles, good touch, you know, uh, interaction with partners. I enjoy it. I just caught up on that Twitter uh, (laughs) debate right there, and that is is A1 content right there. Um, Pickleball. I get asked about this all the time from tennis players as well. It's like, why do we have, we don't have to not like each other. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Fundamentally. Yeah, I, I'm glad we're on the same page about this. Cause it's like, yeah. Like if I have a choice, like I'll, if I have a buddy that is at my level in tennis, like I'd probably prefer to go play tennis. But if I want to hang out with different friends that are like, I'm going to go play pickleball because these guys will play pickleball, but I can't teach my, a 25 plus year old buddy to just pick up a tennis racket and like get up to our level. You know what I mean? But in pickleball, I can teach him in two weeks that he's going to be like, he's, he's going to be adequate enough to, to get through a, some, some sets. And I mean, you can mix up a level. It's, it's much more inviting at, the, at that stage in our life to pick it up and get to that level of, you know, of I don't know what you want to call it. Just being like a, an adequate player tennis. You need to take lessons and private lessons and you need a ton of serves. And it's like, People our age and older are probably not going to put themselves to that type of grind. But if you can transition them slowly from pickleball, you have a chance. But no, uh, this yeah, is, not, yeah. you know, you make an excellent point. And two follow ups I would have to, and then I promise, folks, we are going to talk about all the tennis happening week two on the ATP and WTA tours. A. The delta between a good and a bad pickleball player, not like a pro and a bad pickleball player, but a good and a bad rec tennis uh, pickleball player is just not as big as the delta between a good and a bad rec tennis player. And I agree with you. The physicality doesn't become as big of a part of the equation. The length of the rally isn't as big of a part of the equation in pickleball as well. And to your point, it takes fewer repetitions to get better at pickleball to match levels of the person you're with than it does to be on a tennis court and try and bridge that gap if there is a significant gap between you and your friends. I would also say to your point, if the argument is that it would behoove the tennis universe to have the futures events, to have the challenger events, to have college tennis on tennis channel in lieu of broadcasting pickleball, I have no counter argument to that line of it. Like that is a good point. And I, yeah, again, I would Hands up, you are correct about that. If your argument is in lieu of that, if we're not going to show that, which Tennis Channel is not right now, do I have anything against showing pickleball, which is in the racket sport family? And to your point, particularly people our age, uh, you know, under the age of 30, where perhaps something a little bit more physically strenuous than pickleball, such as tennis, would eventually become uh, appealing. I, I do think pickleball is a good gateway into the tennis world. Absolutely. It gets you into the racket sports, gets you into the moving, movement. My, you know, parent, we're able to play pickleball in my parents' backyard and, you know, playing with 
some buddies who immediately think, you know, they win a point in pickleball. They're like, oh, I can probably beat you in tennis too. And it's just like, <laughs> first of all, you didn't win the point in pickleball, you, you know, again. But B, uh, you know, I'm really just talking to my friend Michael Azaparty because this is him in a nutshell. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. Like, racket sports beget racket sports. When racket yeah. sports are doing well, it's good for everyone. Go look at the yeah. USTA stats. More people are playing tennis. More people are playing pickleball as well. And you and I are in the business of growing our sport and growing this exactly. game of tennis. And this is what pickleball is doing. There's been so many up, like stories that, I, that I've been like people have shared with me of during COVID, somebody got into pickleball and now they're watching tennis and now they're following a podcast. It's like that is happening. So it's, it's happening organically. It's a, it's an organic introduction to tennis. And it's, if they take a liking to pickleball, they're likely going to like tennis. So I don't think we should shut them off. I think you have to, it's a, it's a great sport. And it, it might not be for you, but it's it's not stealing from tennis. If anything, it's going to help tennis in the long run. And, but, and to your yeah. point, David Roditi, TCU men's tennis head coach, hosts pickleball events at the TCU courts. No way. Doesn't I don't know the exact cool. retention rate, but I guarantee you at least one person who played in that pickleball tournament subsequently attended a TCU men's tennis match. And that's, that's just good for that's the cool. sport. It's good for the sport. I it's agree. Good for the sport. And also, if I could tell you, like, a lot of these, Awesome college tennis players, their career ends at the end of the college, their last senior season, it's over. But now you're seeing these guys able to have another avenue to create value and, and make, make real money from pickleball. Like a lot of these guys that we went to school with are now sponsored pickleball players and they're traveling the country playing these tournaments, pocketing five ten thousand $10,000 when they do well. It's like, to me, that's sick. And like they're getting sponsorships. I think it's cool. I think tennis can learn from it, if anything. Anna Bright, former Cal tennis player, was very good at the number six single spot. She's top ten in the world in pickleball. Former Cracked Rackets intern, shout out. I agree with you. And, of course, pickleball gear also available at tennis-point.com. All of the latest and greatest equipment, all at the best prices. With all of that said, it's time to talk week two in the 2022 grass court season. Let's start with the WTA action in Berlin. And things got funky in Berlin today. Look, they've been funky throughout the course of this grass court season. You look at your two title winners last week on the grass courts, excluding Jung Chin-Wen, who of course won the 125 on the clay, but Beatrice Haddad-Maya, Ekaterina Alexandrova, certainly two top 50 players, players who have, you know, I talked about them extensively on yesterday's show, have a track record of success. They were your first two winners of the 2022 grass court season. You look at the action already unfolding again in Berlin. Number three and five seeds knocked out on the day. In particular, look, Arena Sabalenka was up a set in 5-2, 6-2-5-2 on Veronica Kudermatova. Kudermatova able to come back, 2-6-7-5-6-4. Kudermatova now beat Benchich last week, Sabalenka this week. She was, of course, a quarterfinalist at this year's French Open as well. You look for Kudermatova inside the top 20 of the WTA points race this season as well, hovering around a new career high. She's currently 23 in the live rankings. A win tomorrow will have her match her career high of number 22. Sabalenka made a final last week as well. So there is, you know, again, she's playing her fifth, sixth match in as many days. That, of course, matters. But that was funky. Muguruza, I don't think she played poorly, but she does lose again. And again, it's been a year from hell for her. Six and four loss to Andrea Petkovic in round number one. I mean, again, you look at the draw in Berlin. Onjabur, your top seed. Maria Sakari, number two seed. You still have Pliskova, who's got a tricky matchup against Andrescu tomorrow. Bencic, uh, still alive in the draw. Kasakina is going to kick off her grass court season. The French Open semifinalist obviously has been exceptional this year. Where are you at as you look at this Berlin draw? How many of these players in the draw do you think are, if any, are capable of winning the 2022 Wimbledon? That's a good question. Um, first off, is Tukovic back? Like, I haven't, that's a big win for her. Is that, is, is, that, is that a momentum changing for her season? So, Andrea Pekovic, you look throughout the course of this year, 28 and 20 overall in her last 52 weeks, 10 and 7 here this season. She doesn't, you know, she only has one first round loss, first round Australian Open. Of course, that first round loss was to Barbara Krachikova. Like, she's been fine. 
this year. Mm-hmm. Like she's what Petkovic right now, fifty nine in the world. Yeah. That feels about right now. She was relentless in her aggression uh, against Muguruza, and you look for Petkovic in her career on grass courts. Certainly worth noting, twenty nine and twenty eight overall, which doesn't sound outstanding, but you keep in mind the fact that I've repeated here a couple of times. Seven of the top twenty players on the WTA tour have played twenty or fewer grass court matches in their careers. Obviously, we're going to be missing Russians, Belarusians, so no Kudermatova, no Kasakina, no, uh, you know, a, there's a healthy amount of no Sabalenka at the 2022 Wimbledon. I mean, is Petkovic back? Is she in her top 10 form? No. Did she look like a former top 10 player against Muguruza at times? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I guess that, so that result surprised me. I think you, you look for people on the women's side to kind of catch heat in, the, in this short season. And I think another name I'm looking for in round two would be B- Bianca Andreescu versus Pliskova. Whoever comes out on top of that, I think is going to pick up a, a, a bit of confidence and, and start to probably, I think they, I, I used to like their, uh, I guess we'll play the winner of golf and uh, Wang likely. Um, but Andreescu, I think I look at her as someone that could be a threat on the grass with her weapons, um, her athleticism is, I think she's able to stay close up on the baseline and dictate. No, um, she played a oh, fantastic first-round match. Three-set win for her over Sinyakova, another player who I believe— She's good. No, I mean, look, Andrescu's like her ability to find that inside-out, inside-in forehand, her ability to dictate off the plus one, you just have to do that on the grass court. She drop-shotted uh, Sinyakova over and over again. I think she executed 11 was the number I heard throughout the course of wow. the match. I agree, like— her weapons, and look, she's taking on a finalist, last year's Wimbledon finalist in Karolina Pliskova, who yeah. has some urgency because she's going to lose those points on her resume. She's got to defend some of them here now, and good first-round win for her, rebounds after dropping the first set, wins in three over Pliskova. Andreski's played a lot of close matches here in 2022, and you look for Andreescu overall, currently number 69 in the world, but here in 2022, 8-4 and overall. Again, those four losses, Sabalenka in three sets, Pagula, Sviantek, Bencic. Not exactly bad losses on her resume, but she, you know, her best win, Danielle Collins in Madrid. Collins was coming off of injury. You know, other than that, she doesn't really have a definitive win this season either, I think and, that and, you can get one here. No, this is a, this is a litmus test match, as you know. I like to say, um, this is the one I want to see. It, you know, again, it, a for Carolina Pliskova, who has not had the best season by any stretch of the imagination. Of course, she's been injured for a lot of it. But Pliskova seven and eight here this year for both of them. How seriously should we take either one of them heading into this? Uh, heading into Wimbledon, this is. I, I agree. That's one of those matches because I do think Pliskova. I mean, she showed it last year when she's executing on the serve. On on this surface, it's just a nightmare to go up against. So I uh, completely agree with you. That's an interesting match to me. I think all of these matches are pretty damn good tomorrow. I mean, across the board, Alexandrova last week she was just She won't un- be playing Wimbledon. Who's Alexandrova, this? Alexandrova? Will not be playing Wimbledon, right. correct. So, but but I, I was, I was going to say her, but yeah. Yeah, no, she was untouchable. Last week, just every forehand she hit in the championship weekend, semifinals, finals, turned into magic, beats Kudermatova, beats Sabalenka. By the way, just quickly on Sabalenka, 4 of 17 was Sabalenka on breakpoint chances. 4 of 17. She had a million chances to put that match away. She didn't even serve particularly poorly. Just, again, the errors piled up. Credit to Kudermatova, quietly a top 10 server this year on the WTA Tour and does have those sort of plus one weapons. Of course, Kudermatova not going to be competing at Wimbledon either. That's why all of the Russians competing this week. Kudermatova, Samsonova. Samsonova's got to defend her Berlin title from last year. You look for Samsonova right now in the live rankings. She will have dropped with those rankings coming off her points. Yeah, she's back down to number 45 and wants to keep herself in the mix to be seeded come the U.S. Open and just not have to play qualities uh, at the big WTA events this summer. I mean, across the board, again, Kasakina, Alexandrova, two players not going to see that. You know, two all-Russian matchups, given the urgency. Those are fascinating. Maria Sakkari loses to Beatrice Haddad-Maya last week. Of course, Haddad-Maya goes on to win the title. It wasn't a bad loss for Sakkari, but she just hasn't been excellent 
of late. And I just I need more from her if I'm going to put her in my top five contenders for Wimbledon. Right now, if you're asking me who on this list is a top five contender, obviously all the Russians are eliminated. Own Jabour can absolutely be on the list. She looked great in a 3-3 three and three victory over Mukova, quarterfinalist last year. She's been one of the seven best players on the WTA Tour this season. She would be one. Bencic is the other. Bencic loses to Kudermatova in straight sets last week. I want to see her make another final here this year, and she made the final here last year. But I think, again, if it's ever going to happen for Bencic, I think it's this 2022 Wimbledon. Bencic, Jabour, and then the winner of that Pliskova-Andreski match, the three players I'm probably watching most closely. Uh, yeah, I think that's – without the, the players that you mentioned, um, the Russian players, I think it's – those are your names you're looking at. Jabert has just been so solid. Across yeah. all, all surfaces, she just adapts so well and is able to find plan A, yeah. plan B, plan C better than almost anybody else on the tour. That's anyone not named Iga. That's exactly it. She just has more things she can do on a court than just about anyone. Shout out to Alicia Parks, by the way, 21-year-old American. Big, comes through qualifying, gets a win over a very much informed junction when, of course, the 19-year-old, the only player to take a set off of Iga at the French Open, won a 125K last week on clay. It's a schedule loss, for sure, for junction win, but a very impressive moment, and credit to Parks for capitalizing into uh, the round of 16 now, I believe, for the first time at the WTA level in her career. I want to double-check that, make sure I'm not wrong. In fact, I am indeed incorrect. She made in Lausanne in July uh, of last year as well. But hey, second round of 16 for her. Yeah, no, she's got weapons wow. for sure. And again, that's it was definitely a schedule loss for Jung Chin Wen. Just didn't have her legs quite under her the way you need to when you're dealing with the power tennis of Alicia Parks. But to your point, the power is evident. There is a lot there to enjoy. I'm excited for that matchup against Jabour. Again, Samsonova's got to defend her title here from last year. This across the board, other than perhaps... Sakari, Gavrilova, Sasnovich, Petkovic. You know, again, all of these matchups are going to be enjoyable, and the permutations that are going to follow as well should be extraordinarily fun. So that's WTA event number one happening on the grass this week in Berlin. Let's move on to WTA event number two happening this week over in Birmingham. Certainly, again, we've seen some drama unfold early on in the action. You look at the seeds we've had knocked off. Number four seed, Elisa Mertens, knocked out in three sets by Katie McNally. McNally made her third career quarterfinal last week on the grass courts, follows it up, comes through qualifying again this week, knocks out Mertens in three sets. I mean, a fast grass court, her ability to serve and volley, the heaviness of her forehand. That's not a fluke win. For Katie McNally, that's just again. I think this is the surface. If she's going to make a run at a slam in singles, this is the surface it's going to come on. And with these victories for McNally, back into the top 200, back up to number 174. She's dealt with a bunch of injuries of late, but obviously the 20-year-old top 50 player in the world in doubles. You know, we've seen her get as high as number 105 in the singles rankings. Again, she's just healthy on her best surface. This result doesn't not make sense if that makes sense no like you said with, with her ability to dictate with the forehand and how heavy that is coming off her stick the um, match was on then, her terms and then her slice her, her slice backhand she can neutralize the, the, the point very well on the grass with that deep slice that just drifts back to the baseline and she seems to she's more comfortable moving on the grass than she is uh, on the clay and um she's just more solid on this and she's she's able to play front foot tennis and I, I agree. This is this kind of plays right into her, like what she specializes in is a lot of that stuff that you see on the doubles court. It transitions very well to the grass court tennis that she plays and her confidence seems to be rising. And I, I'm happy for her. I think if, if she's able to make some noise this year uh, on the at Wimbledon and, and here, I think it's, it's going to just pay off, pay large dividends for her. And I would love to see her back in the top 150, 140 and start to kind of make, make the, uh, the transition. And as she kind of transitions out of that young part of her career and, now she's been on tour for a few years now, and I think I think the experience in, in those situations is, is starting to pay off. Would love to see her get a Van Right. I mean, she hasn't won a title like Van Reithoven has, but and she's not going to get a wild card despite her previous junior success at Junior Wimbledon and at the junior level again doubles as well. But I mean, she's going to get through qualifying, in my opinion. 
And she's a player maybe not going to make the you know quarterfinals, semifinals, but could she knock out a 28 seed in the first round and make a second, third round appearance? Absolutely. Katie McNally, that category of dark horse heading into Wimbledon. Beatrice Haddad Maya, I don't even know if she's a dark horse anymore. She's just playing as well as anyone on tour. And I talked about it yesterday, how 138 and 32 in her last 170 matches over these 20 months, even though they're coming at the ITF level for her to win the title last week and to be tested the way she was last weekend, you know, three sets over Allison Risk, three sets in the semifinals over Sakari. She comes back here on Tuesday, 7-6-6-2 victory over number five seed Petra Kvitova. And I think we can now maybe start to have the conversation, is Kvitova no longer a serious contender? Because going into last year's French Open prior to her injury, it did feel like she was still in the mix for these events. Now, it's been a tough 12-month stretch for her injury-wise. But, you know, certainly for Haddad Maya, just physically, play five matches last week. Have three of the five go three sets to get this victory 7-6-6-2. The lefty just doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. She moves well. She's comfortable moving forward. She is now number 32 in the world. She will be seated with all the absences at Wimbledon. She can make the freaking round of 16, Nate. Is is she uh, Benchich's long-lost sister? I feel like she looks <laughs> awfully similar to Benchich. I'm like, I, when I was watching, I was, um, but no, I, I think she's, I don't know if she's a dark horse anymore at this point. After the week she had last week. Just a horse. And follows it up here. I mean, that's, a bit of a, a, a tricky customer on, on the grass and, that's that's just a smooth six two win in the second set. Um, what what do you where do you where do you what do you think she can do on the grass that that makes her so much better than a hard quarter, even a clay court? It's just how rock solid she is across the board. Forehand, she can move extraordinarily well. Obviously, the lefty she can create angle for herself, attack down the line, comfortable taking that ball early on the rise, moving in behind it. She wins the doubles title as well as the singles title last week in Nottingham. Mm-hmm. The backhand solid. Now, the backswing's big on the forehand side, but she, you know, you'd think someone with the weapons of Kvitova would be able to break that down on this surface. Kvitova wasn't able to do so, and Haddad Maya able to keep pace on serve. It's just, again, she takes A, B, C, D away from you. She can do a lot of different things. Uh, yeah, she's playing as well, again, as anyone to start this grass court season. Six straight wins clearly tells the case. You know, again, you look at some of the other upsets. Wild card, Katie Bolter. Oh, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, she's the wild. Bolter got the wild card in the Wimbledon as well. So that's, yeah. a, that's a big win there. I, I just feel like grass court season in general, on both men and women's side, you just see more of these storylines come about like it's because there's only a month it's a sprint it's like again no one has played that many grass court matches in their careers you're never training on grass courts in the off season you can pick hard courts or clay but you're never training on grass courts i think that's fair i wonder some of these people it seems like they almost like specialize like uh tim i'm gonna butcher van reithoven reithoven like tvr because we know that's the nickname tvr is where where we're sticking to on on instagram captions as well but it's like I, i just feel like a guy like Kim. He was probably training on grass for the last two months, but like maybe I just feel like with how comfortable he looks, there's no way that he he just started playing grass two weeks ago. He just looks way too comfortable. And wh- where do you get the confidence outside of top 200 to just go rip off three top? Yeah, I just feel like on on the women's side the same thing though. It's like the dark horse story, the, the, like that type of that headline. It seems to just be much more prevalent on, on grass court season. And maybe like you said, it's because how short it is of a sprint. We talked about this on the Tennis Bet show hitting winners earlier today, which you can all all see on the Tennis Channel YouTube page. Uh, There's just not a lot of data for the books, for us as fans. You just, again, it's a one-month sprint this grass court season. And certainly, again, for Ali Risk, who played three sets against Harriet Dart, Golubic, and Haddad Maya, this was a schedule loss very much for Ali Risk. That said, credit to Katie Bolter, who advances. Caroline Garcia's played pretty decent here. Start the grass court season, knocked out last week by Allie Risk, but a good 7-6 in the third win for her over Wimbledon quarterfinalist Victoria Golubic. Harriet Dart, quarterfinalist last week, another good win for her over Kami Osorio. That matchup with Halep tomorrow, in my opinion, fascinating. Just because, again, Halep, who beats Serenko 1-4, she moved well. She moved the ball well. I don't think she served particularly well in the match. And, you know, again, I don't – she gets she generates such great depth on her rally ball. She's one of the five or six players, men's or women's side, who looks comfortable moving, even on these grass courts. 
But as you look at this draw, my same question to you as we end. We see the quarterfinals. Ostapenko was up, I believe, a set in 5-2, almost lost in three to a very much informed Rebecca Marino, who's another one of those second-round, third-round dark horses, um, ultimately survives in three sets. Are there any top five contenders in this Birmingham event for you? I, I think I think Simona Halep deserves to be in the conversation. Um, Ostapenko is obviously a tough customer with her variety. But I look for... I think Yastrzemska could get the like with her like she's so athletic and she'll fight and if she's able, if she's finding her her plus one and able to dictate, Ostapenko is not the, the the best mover on the tour. I mean that, that's an upset that I could see happening. I think Yastrzemska could be dangerous on the grass as well. Yeah. Um, obviously Garcia is a hell of a fighter. Uh, she's just not uh, she's just not an easy customer for anybody. Uh, she just always seems to be getting that one extra ball back and making you really hit four or five winners when. Um, but yeah, I think if you look at those four names that, that pop out to me, but like you said, uh, Haddad, Haddad May, another name, yeah. Haddad May, she's, uh, I don't know if she's a dark horse any, anymore at this point, but I mean, she's dangerous, like you said, it's a sprint, and right now she's leading the pack, it seems like, so uh, the, I guess I'll take those four, and Christea, I feel like she's been around my whole life, and she's back in back in the mix, Um but I don't think she's in the, in that same category. No, I mean, um, and I meant to say this, by the way, for the tennis abstract forecast for Berlin, own Jabour, 34.5% favorite. You then go to Pliskova, 13-6, Bencic, 11-6, Goff, 10-5, then Sakri at 6.9%. You look at the tennis abstract projections uh, for the action here in Birmingham. Halps a 30.2% favorite, Ostapenko, 279 then a big dip all the way to the ascending B. Beatriz Haddad Maya at 9.1%. She might, again, like, is she going to sneak into a top five? Let's go ahead. Sorry. We didn't talk about golf at all. Where, where do you feel like golf, golf on the other fast? side? So that it's, it is fascinating, right? Because you look for Coco Goff, who does, again, has played fewer than 20 grass court matches in her career. That said, you look for Coco, Coco Goff in her career on grass courts, 10 and 3 overall. The losses, Halep, Wimbledon round of 16, Kerber, Wimbledon round of 16, then Sevastova, three sets in an Eastbourne warm-up last year. She's played two Wimbledon main draws. She's made two round of 16s. That speaks for itself. Like, again, and we just saw her make the final in Roland Garros. Now, she plays Anne Lee round one in Berlin. I want to see, you know, again, her form heading into Wimbledon, certainly. But with her serve, her ability to move forward, her comfort her comfort as a mover on any surface as well, she's absolutely, you're right. We sh- I, I appreciate you bringing that up. She should be. I mean, she's absolutely around that that top five conversation. I absolutely feel better about her than Maria Sakkari right now. Mm-hmm. I think the key for golf is the forehand. If she can absorb pace on the forehand wing on the grass court, she's, that, that seems to be the one area that you can attack on the grass court. She's, but I, I think she's it's, it's starting to get it's, – it's cleaning up. She's starting to clean up the forehand airs and starting to sit on the ball a little bit better and able to kind of absorb pace much more than she was able to a, a year or two ago. I think that's the key for her. Obviously, the serve is going to be there. The backhand's world-class. And um, th- I think the next thing you look for her to do is a little bit more variety with, with, with the dropper when she has people on their back foot. If she can keep them off balance, bring them forward and, and, and finding the passing shot. But I think golf, like we just said, is she's, she's as dangerous as, as almost anybody on, on any surface. Yeah, absolutely. All right. With that in mind, let's move over now to the men's side. We'll start with the ATP event happening in Hala this week. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We had, I believe, six three-set matches in our first round, maybe seven of them. Top seeds tested across the board. You look at, in terms of, again, first-round matches that stood out, Nicholas Basilashvili, seven six four victory, uh, seven six six four victory. Excuse me, over number three seed Andre Rublev. Of course, Rublev had to defend finals points from last year. He's not going to be c- competing in Wimbledon either. Thus, an added urgency for all of these Russian Belarusian players in all of these warm up events. I mean, as you look at the board, though, Rublev the only seed 
who ultimately gets knocked off. The rest able to escape, whether it's Tsitsipas in three sets over Balzi, Hercots three sets over Kressy, Hachinov three sets over Karatsev, you know, RBA advancing in straight sets over Fuchovic. Fuchovic forced to retire again due to injury. There's a lot of intrigue in this draw. Again, players who are going to be in the mix at Wimbledon. We're not going to see Daniil Medvedev. He's your number one seed this uh, this week, but everyone else. Tsitsipas, who last year lost first round Wimbledon, faces Nick Kyrgios, who you look at his grass court, or look at his success this season. Uh, we had this segment as well. He's 13-6 and six overall in the year, or 13-5. and five. There's not a bad loss. Well, let's just do this quickly. And I know I did this, I believe, as a segment last week. But just quickly on the Nick Kyrgios season here this year, because I know there was a quote going around, and I shared my thoughts on Twitter. He calls himself top five, top ten player on a grass court. A, is he supposed to go out there and be like, well, you know, Ugo Umber won this event last year. Like, he's probably a little bit, you know, I'll take his forehand over mine. Like, oh, like, obviously, don't forget about, you know, Tim Van Reithoven, who had a great week last week. He's probably playing a little bit better than me right now. I'm probably 23rd, 24th. Like, are, no are player's ever going to say that. Are people giving Kings a hard time for that quote? Yeah, of course they are. But That's you look for ball. Nick Kyrgios ready to play the game. 13-5 and five overall this year. Let's play a game. Good win, uh, good loss, bad loss. Daniil Medvedev, four sets, second round Australian Open. No, sir. Not a bad loss. One no. of the, a fantastic, <laughs> one of the best matches of the season. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Nadal, four set, uh, three set loss, Indian Wells quarterfinals. No, definitely not. One of the better matches of the season. Yep. Sinner, six and three Miami after he blitzed Rublev in that second round. That was that, that. I thought he was going to win that, but not a bad loss. I he self-combusted in the second set for yeah. sure, but... Not a bad loss. No. Op- Opelka, Houston, indoor clay, three and five. That's not a great loss, but it's indoor clay and it doesn't matter. So, like, throw yeah, that one. The, yeah. yeah. He was there to have a good time. And then six and two against Murray in Stuttgart, which, again, did he self-combust in the second set? Absolutely. Is that a bad loss? No. That's, that's the only loss that was, like, but at the end of the day, he, he I mean, he, yeah, he had a good week. So uh, yeah, I think dropped the first set to Basilevili, came back and won in three. Like broke him in the opening service game of the second set. Kyrgios is playing. Kyrgios is holding ninety two point seven percent of the time this season. If he was top fifty in the world, that would be number two behind Isner. Like that's how well he's serving. He's breaking twenty point four percent of the time, which is above his career average. Still below the average of the top fifty players, but above his own career average. You know, again, Nick Kyrgios is also 27 years old. He should be playing the best tennis of his career. I think he is right now. And, like, again, this is a fascinating match between he and Tsitsipas. All sorts of Wimbledon implications. That said, I think Felix has to be in your top 50 list, in ter- uh, top 50, top five list of Wimbledon contenders, certainly on the short list. If no lower than six or seven, you look for him in his career on the grass courts. Felix 21-7 and seven overall, obviously loses 7-6 in the third to Tim, uh, TVR last week, but we learned that's not a bad loss. Quarterfinalist last year at Wimbledon before getting knocked out by Berrettini, finalist in Stuttgart last season, semifinalist in Hollow where he lost 7-6 in the third to the eventual champion. You know, Felix, again, semifinalist last week. He's got Mackey in round number two, knocked out Garon in three sets earlier today. I think he's got to be on your list. Hubi Hercots, oh, yeah, Hercots has to be on your list. Obviously, we won't see Karen Hatchinoff, but he's always a tough out on these grass courts. This is, you know, again, I think it's the two events happening in Germany on the women's side, on the men's side. This draw is absolutely loaded. You look right now, the favorite to win the tournament, FAA, 19.5%. Then actually it's Hatchinov at 14.8. Interesting. Medvedev, 9%. Oh, it's because Hatchinov's around ahead of Medvedev. That's why. Medvedev certainly will catch up after that. But Hatchinov, 14.8. Medvedev, 9%. Tsitsipas, 10.1%. Korda. Sneaky high, 8.4%. They have him over Hoopy Hercots, and it's not going to shock me at all to see Korda knock out Pablo Crenobusta at the number six seed tomorrow. Crenobusta, a straight set win over Holger Runa. I mean, again, these are all really good popcorn matches. Who are you taking in Hala? Give me. Did Crenobusta did and Sebastian Korda just play recently, or am I imagining that? Crenobusta 1 0 in his career against Sebastian Korda. That match came in Australia this year. Okay. Okay. Um, give me take this title. Yeah, 
Ah, I think Corda beats PCB tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, is Kyrgios going to beat Tsitsipas? Let's start there. Kyrgios 2-0 in his career. Give me, hey, give me, I remember last time I made this. Down in Miami, I told you Keegan's going to make a run. I'm feeling the juice again. I think Keegan's going to make a run again. Give me Keegan to the final. I don't know if he's going to win it, but I think he gets to the final. I mean, that bottom half is absolutely loaded. Felix, Tsitsipas, Kyrgios, Hercots, honestly, Korda, Umber won this event last year. Mackey's made a fourth round at Wimbledon as well. This is, I mean, Kyrgyzha has four grass court victories in his career. Like, he's the least credentialed player in that bottom half of the draw. It's it's stacked. It is. So, I, I mean, I think one of three guys will win this. Felix, Hercots, and then the winner of Tsitsipas, Kyrgyz. All right. So who are you going with? Uh, give me the safe pick for me uh, would be Hercotch. I think with the, what he can do uh, in his draw, I think he's got the easier draw of the three and just how comfortable he is on the grass, how comfortable he is with, coming forward. And then his, I think his forehand doesn't get as exposed as it does on uh, hard court and, and, and clay. I, I, I think, I think give me Hercotch. Yeah. All right. I like it. Well, with that in mind, again, that's your ATP action happening over in Halle. Uh, let's move over to Stut- uh, uh, Stuttgart now. Excuse me. That's not where our second event is. Let's move over to Queens Club now happening over in London. Uh, again, good draw of action, certainly with no points being offered at Wimbledon. We are just going to see top players playing in all of these events throughout these warm-up weeks heading into Wimbledon. You look at the draw right now. Did Shapovalov end up beating Tommy Paul? I know Tommy no, Paul they, took that first set. Suspended after uh, they split. Ah, they split. Okay, it's, that it explains six, it. 6-2 Tommy, then 6-2 Shapovalov. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the upset of the day happens in London. Ryan Pennington, the former the University of Memphis standout, earning the biggest victory of his career, 7-6, 7-6 victory over top seed Casper Ruud. You look for Penniston, who, again, University of Memphis standout. He's only a month younger than me. Shout out to the 1995ers. Penniston currently 180 in the world heading into the week with his result here. Let's see. Penniston now all the way up uh, to number 156 in the world. You look for Penniston again. Uh, had had some success at the challenger level in the past six months. Has made three different challenger finals. Now had yet to win a challenger title. But certainly, again, 6-6 six and six today against Casper was just swinging freely off of that forehand wing and slap city on the backhand was comfortable moving forward he was spectacular today in a victory you look over so far though in this event all but two uh excuse me Five of the top eight seeds already eliminated. Rude, six and six, knocked out. Schwartzman, one and four, knocked out by the qualifier. Sam Query, of course, Jack Draper, who has been so he, exceptional. The 20-year-old lefty can freaking he, play. He looks – I watched that. I watched pretty much that whole match. I, Draper has the goods. I mean, quarter, that guy – Quarterfinalist last year, he's 27 and six this season. couple of challenger titles under his belt. Lefty, aggressive. Again, was on his terms in that match against Taylor Fritz. That was extreme. He's this week's Fritz, TVR. Fritz didn't play poorly. Fritz no, did not play poorly. I, I think Draper's going to get to the final, and I think he's this week's TVR. Like, I don't think he's going to win like the it. title, I like but I could 1,000. Look at who's left in the top half of the draw. Like, Peniston Sarundalo, Query Krajinovic, Draper Rusevori. You could argue this Rusevori match is his toughest the rest of the way. And what, yeah, and like his confidence, and like he just looks so poised, and he looks like he just, like, he's not shocked with what he's doing on the court. And I'm like sitting there, some of the drop shots he hit, some of the on the run four and down the line he hit for like clean outright winners. I mean, he had Fritz just like bewildered. Like Fritz didn't know what he was up against. I thought Draper played exceptional tennis, and that was. Yeah, he looks like a, a guy. If he's at that level, that's that's a guy that's real. That's that's obviously dangerous. No, um, he. This is the draw. It's it's open for him to make that. The sort top of half run. is favorable for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. Again, some juicy matchups though. Bublik, who's going to be a plus two hundred underdog against Marin Cilic tomorrow. Cilic did not look great today in a three set victory over Liam Brody. Nah. Able to scrap that one out though. Grigor was exceptional today in a three-set win, or yesterday, excuse me, in a three-set win over Cam Norrie. Can he sustain that level against Vanderson Scope for two consecutive matches? How frequently do we see the hot-cold run for Grigor? And again, Berrettini, good win over Dan Evans, another tricky opponent for him now. He's going to take on lucky loser Dennis Kudla. Kudla, 
a nice three-set victory over Lorenzo Sinego, racking up those grass court points as he does so well. Demonauer versus Davidovich Fokina, the three-letter battle, you know, ADF versus ADM. Um, it, it's fun. It's a fun draw. What are you looking at most closely here in London? First off, the match today with the Valbrinka Tiafo. Love watching that. I mean, it wasn't like the the highest level of tennis I've ever watched, but that was just very entertaining. And love to see Stan the Man get the win. First win since 2019 on a grass court. Wimbledon 2019. Tiafo is just a class act. Watching him congratulate Stan and kind of give him his kudos was just cool. And you can tell he just admires the, the, the uh, former world number three. Um, my, my other thought was Botic Van, Van Zendeschel, is that the most solid guy across, like the, the most solid guy that casuals probably don't know that just, all, I mean, grass, hardcore clay, doesn't matter what it is. The guy plays at a high level. I mean, he gets, he's so talented. It's like after that U S open, he beat Diego Schwartzman. He has not looked back since. I and mean, he's just a guy that's been like a staple and across all platform, across all services and in every doesn't matter where you put the guy in. It just performs well. I can't wait to see him versus Grigor. That should be a fun one. Um, let's see. I mean, Berrettini just coming off injury gets right back into it, finds his uh, finds form quickly and gets a title. Uh, gets the Boss Open title. Uh, where, where the the title uh, he's actually with Boss, so it's kind of like that was big big uh, big dump for him there. I think he's a guy that looks dangerous and a guy that I just think is on a grass court. Favors his game so well. Um, uh, the, the top of the draw, I mean, obviously we, we touched on Draper. I think that's, I think those three guys. And, and Grigor, I just think when he's playing at this level, he's one of the most talented guys that I've ever seen touch a tennis racket. I mean, with like he has so much game, and he's so talented. When he's physically fit, he's just – he can beat anybody, I mean, on a grass court. His, his slice is so dangerous. It's an aggressive slice. He can play offense with it. He's finding the angles. He can punish you off the forehand wing. He's returning. His block return on the grass court works so well. And he neutralizes points. I mean, I, I think Grigor is another guy. I would love to see him fit uh, for the grass court season. I think he's just had a, a very quiet, a pretty quiet season, but he's been solid pretty much throughout. Um, Stan Wawrinka, getting him back in the mix is always a plus for tennis. Rocking the new V-Core Pro, which was, uh, I think, co-designed by him. Um but yeah, I think out of this tournament, I think my prediction would be give me give me give me is Berrettini gonna go back to back? I I think I'm I think I'm going Berrettini back to back as he heads into Wimbledon. I mean Berrettini, his last three losses, so he in. 2021, I think this was last year, or maybe it was two years ago, he lost to Gofan, in 2019, excuse me, he won a title, then he lost to Gofan in a final. You know, his la- he's, I think, 21-3, and three, or 28-3, and three, something crazy. It might be 31-3 and three even, but I think it's 28-3 and three since the start of the 2019 season on grass courts. His three losses, Djokovic, last year's Wimbledon final, Federer, Wimbledon round of 16, and that GoFan match. That was his 10th match in 12 days or whatever. Yeah, I mean, his serve is that lethal, his forehand that effective, his movement that dangerous on this surface. He is that good. He has to be in your top five list of contenders. Otherwise, your list of contenders heading into Wimbledon just won't be taken seriously. Uh, And I will say, Shepovalov, I, got, I want to see who finishes off that match. He played yeah. – th- that second set was high level. Didn't he make the ball. semifinals of Wimbledon last year as well? So, like, again, he has right. – uh, his power tennis can be explosive. Okay. And, and so how about Stan, by the way? 7-6 and a third over Tiafo served he lights out. He, he, he yeah, good. he's not going to make the second week of Wimbledon, no. but it's great to see him back. I'd love to see him back. And I can't – oh, sorry. I got one last thing for you before we go. Go ahead. No, I think just – Chef of all of – just he hadn't had his confidence for a few weeks. It feels like he finally seemed to turn a corner where he was fist pumping and yelling, "Come on!" Every point against Tommy, and Tommy came out the gates hot and that, and had the goods and had Dennis on his back foot. And I didn't think Tommy's level dropped that much. Dennis just found another gear in that second set and really dictated and neutralized every like even Tommy on a big return. Dennis was able to just counter so well, and that's a guy that when he his timing on the forehand was cleaner. He looked a little clunky last week, 
I thought today against Tommy, he was able to find the forehand cross court and then and kind of punish Tommy for any ball he left hanging. So that's a guy that if you get to see him versus Berrettini, that, that, that would be, that's, that's another popcorn tennis match right there. Yeah, no, it, it's good stuff across the board. I completely agree with you. And by the way, with Stan in mind, last topic before we go, Serena's back. Serena taking a wild card into the 2022 Wimbledon Championships. Of course, Serena also going to play next week, warming up with Onjabur in the doubles, believe, going to be on the singles court as well. But again, most importantly, Serena Williams, wild card into the 2022 Wimbledon. Of course, it's been a while since we've seen Serena Williams compete on court. The last time we saw her play, of course, was the 2021 Wimbledon rolls her ankle against Sasnovich, unable to continue the rest of her season due to injury. Now, of course, again, are we going to have significant expectations for Serena Williams competing in this event at 40 years old? Absolutely not. Are we ecstatic to see Serena back on court? Absolutely. And again, I talk about the lack of sample size, lack of matches played uh, on grass courts throughout the careers of these top 20 players. Serena not only has played over 100 matches in her career at Wimbledon, she's 98 and 13 in her career at Wimbledon, Nate. 98 and 13. She's won seven Wimbledon titles, made 11 different finals. I mean, again, she's played 25 Wimbledons in her career. Like, if she's there, uh, yeah, right. 25 Wimbledons. If, yeah. or, no, not 25. Excuse me. She's played 20 Wimbledons in her career. She's lost 13 times, seven titles, 20 Wimbledons in her career. She's back. She's back. She, I, I think that was a, uh, I like the way she released it. You know, take the picture of the white shoes on the grass courts, um, the high ankle tape, just a signature Serena look. Speaking of comebacks, we got Serena in the mix. We got Stan in the mix. I don't expect to see Roger in the mix. I don't think there's any late announcement coming there. But what are your, if you have a $100 chip, are you putting it on Rafa entering or not entering Wimbledon? I think he's going to play. I think he's playing too well. And I do think he sees a finish line. Just listen to all of his quotes. It's like as the, the pain is getting too much, but as long as it feels good enough, I'm going to try and continue to play. I think right now he's in a good space where he can play, so he's going to... It's interesting. I view. I think the best allegory for Serena Williams is the Christian Bale Batman movies. And right now, this is the Dark Knight Rises. You know, before Bane destroys his back and puts, and you know, Christian Bale goes under the training regimen underground in the prison. Somehow, well fed enough to put on fifteen pounds of muscle and fix his spine. That's a plot hole for a different time. But prior to that, you know how prior to Batman facing Bane, where he gets his spine broken, he's got to beat up on some on some lower-ranked henchmen on his way through the tunnel and through the various train portions. You, you know the subway system. Yeah, um, I'm well-versed well in Batman. Yeah, so, so that's what I view about Serena Williams. Like, if she's facing a henchman, a goon, you know, the a non-top 50 <laughs> player, I think she's going to Dark Knight Rises them and just crush them and get to the bosses, get to the, the banes of the world. I do worry about her against the Banes of the world. Like that to me is if you have a big weapon to hurt her with, that's how you're going to beat this Serena, I feel like. And so, because no again, she's on serve. She's Serena. You know, it's the best serve in women's tennis history. Yeah. There's just, I, the mobility is obviously a massive concern on the grass. I, I hope she's back. She's obviously, it would be huge for tennis to get her back in, in, any, in any type of form that, um, that allows her to compete at this level. But, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be up. She's gonna be up against it, and with how deep the tour is right now, there's just no guarantee you're gonna get someone that. I mean, it's gonna to be tough. So I don't know. It's gonna be. I hope I hope the best for tennis needs to. Uh, we just, you know, Emma Raducanu and Leila Fernandez are still finding their footing, and it's, I mean, obviously Schwantek is as dominant as anybody, but it, the means one more storyline would, would be pretty cool. So you got the Schwantek thing wins like 40 straight matches and. I think another storyline with Serena with a come with a comeback would be pretty cool. Yeah, again, it is going to be fun to watch the action unfold, and we still have a couple of warm up weeks to go before the start of Wimbledon. And of course, we will be here on the Mini Break Podcast all week long, breaking it all down. Of course, the reason we're able to do that is because of the support we get from our friends over at Tennis Point. You all know the deal: tennis-point.com. That promo code is CR15. Also, in honor of that one year anniversary, use that promo code one to get. 
multiple discounts on so many different items. Of course, a shout out as always to Super Producer Danny Westoff for the <laughs> of an onion job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. With all that said, Nate, any final thoughts before we wrap today's show? No, check out Tennis Point USA on Instagram. Check out Tennis Point on TikTok. We're on all the platforms, but I know we've been pumping out a lot of content. This summer, we have a lot more uh, events and stuff that we'll be heading to. So I think we have a lot of fun content to come out from those events. Check us out. And obviously, if you guys want to see some exclusive content, check out Crack Dragons on Instagram. Heck of an ad by my guy Gruskin. Sell it. Manscaped, whatever they're doing for you, I mean, <laughs> they, they, need to, they need to double down. Well, let that me just tell you. The, let me just tell you the lawnmower 4.0. It works. It works it over works. time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, it does work. Uh, and they sent me like, all right, I'm not going to get into the names of some of the creams because then we all just get uncomfortable. And this is the problem for me is I am the son of an OB-GYN. and so like body part fluid talk is just like part of the ball game. It's just like if you grew up, you know, again, your mom walks up to the breakfast table at the age of five and hey, you're like, what is that? And she's like, that's an umbilical cord. And you're like, well, that's gross. Um, But, you know, again, you're just used to discussing these things. Plus, grow up in a household of all brothers. Point being, they sent me like these shaving creams and things that I was like, I was like, do normal people use this? I was like, am I supposed to have these in my repertoire? And so shout out to our friends at Manscaped. They hooked it up. Um, a lot of love for those guys. I'm going to have to check them out. You, you're still with me. You influence me. Ruskin, you're an influencer on my Yeah. When's your birthday? After Christmas. Okay. I know. Day after? Yep. Is Christmas the 25th? Just bundle it up with my Christmas present, my it, Is Christmas the 25th? Yeah. You knew this. I know, I know you might not. You knew this. Though. I know. So here's the thing. I always I know when Christmas relatively is. It's in the twenties. But again, Jewish. So like it's not as though Christmas is a big deal in our household. Like I know, oh, it's Christmas oh, we, we, Day, we, we but I'm not them, like yeah. exactly it's not like a countdown like, oh, I'm counting down the days till December twenty fifth. It's just like, oh, it's Christmas today. And you're like, Oh yeah, I figured it was around now. Um and but so not, like, that's the difference. Not even forget it because it's my, yeah, my well, I'll forget it, but I'll remember the twenty sixth because I'll just go, be like, oh, it's Nate's birthday. Westoff's birthday's around then as well. Westoff's the day before, he's always the day before LeBron. I always mix it up because I'm always like, you're the greatest. And then the next great, I'm like, one of you guys is one day, the next is the next one. Um, and so anyways, with all that said, for the fantastic Nate Walrith, our super producer, Danny Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Nate, what do we tell the people? That's the brain, baby. And we will see you all next week and tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.